this creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. God, for the glory of his name, is reconciling and reclaiming all things to himself. He's just yearning for you. He's longing for you. He wants friendship and relationship with you. He needs you. Oh, you're breaking his heart. No, he's going to break you. We cannot stand before God in our sin. This is like when you say, I, I just can't believe in a God that would, you realize it doesn't matter. You don't get to define God. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us some men who know the truth. I almost vomit every time I go into a Christian bookstore because the top 20 books are all about how you can get whatever you want from God whenever you want it if you rub his belly the right way. There's no repentance. There's no holiness. There's no vision of who God is, what God wants. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? What's going on, guys? Thank you for joining me on this episode of Matter of Theology. I'm A.G. Martin, and it's just me today. Uh, You might get that uh, here and there where it's an episode of just me or just Chris or Nick or any combination of the two of us. And that's because we have such crazy full schedules. We we all have families. We have full-time jobs. We serve in the church. And we have to make sure that those things come before the podcast. So while we do have a desire to do the podcast, Our schedules don't always mesh for us to get together and record. Um, So we want to thank you for being patient with us, um, but we also want to make sure that we're giving you guys uh, content pretty regularly for you to listen to. Uh, But on today's show, we're actually going to be looking at evangelism, why it's important, uh, how we're to do it, what it looks like today. Um, and this actually comes from a blog that I wrote uh, years ago. Is actually like one of the first things I ever sat down and wrote. And to give you the backstory, it it came out of a discussion I had with a guy who went to a Todd White seminar on evangelism. So he said he was talking about how it was the greatest thing he ever went to, and he learned a whole lot. And so I started asking him some kind of practical questions about evangelism, asking him uh, what he would do evangelizing to, to different types of people in certain different situations. And it was very disappointing because he never once gave the gospel. He never once in any situation uh, that I gave him presented the gospel. Uh, So I straight up told him, your evangelism is missing evangelism. And that's what uh, I actually titled that blog. Because what we see today from many ministries such as IHOP or Bethel, we see a lack of actual evangelism. We see love overload. We see the desire to show signs and miracles. But we never see anyone actually give the gospel to to someone that they're talking about. Uh, and that's a problem because we're 
we're commanded to evangelize. We're called to evangelize, and we're going to get into that. So it's really disheartening to see a lot of the popular ministries today that talk about how they love people and they want to bring people into the kingdom actually not doing that. They're, they're, they're not giving the gospel, which is the power of God, unto salvation. Uh, but anyways, let's dive into it. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. you all know this verse. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That was the resurrected Jesus commanding his disciples to go and make disciples. This is our call to evangelism. This is our command to go and evangelize. And as I just said, uh, the the popular ministries today that do evangelism, their style is very different from what we see in Scripture. And it matters because what's being done is not evangelism. God in His Word has revealed how we should evangelize the nations, how we should make disciples. So I'm actually, as we as we progress forward, I'm actually going to give you an example of what I used to do and what I see most commonly. Uh, and this was how I was kind of taught to do evangelism uh, by friends that went off and did YWAM or they did uh, IHOP, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, or they, they went off to, to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry and whatever, and they came back and they taught us how to do this. And, and the, the common theme kind of centered around what we called a treasure hunt. But we're going to get into that a little bit down the road. First, let's define evangelism. Uh, what is it? And very simply, evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public proclamation or personal witness. Now, this is going to be the definition that we work from, so remember that. The spreading of the Christian gospel by public proclamation or personal witness. Now, within this definition, there's some terms that we have to define, um, and, and that's very important because we want people to know what it is we're saying. So, what is the Christian gospel? Uh, first, we have to define what's a, what is Christian because there's many groups out there that call themselves Christian that actually aren't. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Roman Catholics. They all believe themselves to be Christian because they hold to a Christ. They hold to a Jesus. The only problem is it's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's a false Jesus. It's a different Jesus that they're teaching. For example, Mormons, they teach that Jesus is Lucifer's brother. That is false because Jesus is eternal. He's eternally God, and Lucifer, Satan, is a created being. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. That's false because Jesus is eternal. We see that in Scripture. Michael is a created being. He is an angel. He is created. He is not Jesus. So we need to make sure and understand that we're talking about the right Jesus, and that's the Jesus from Scripture, the one that God has revealed in Scripture. 
any other Jesus is a false Jesus. And any gospel that preaches a false Jesus is a gospel that cannot save. Because if you get the wrong Jesus, you have a powerless gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, but only as it is based on the correct Jesus. So now that we know what Christian is, what is the gospel? The gospel, first and foremost, is about the glory of God. It is his redemption plan for saving sinful people. We deserve God's judgment because we are wretched sinners. We have sinned against a holy God and we deserve nothing but death. However, instead of God giving us what we deserve, he shows grace and mercy by promising us a Savior. This Savior is eternally triumphant over his enemies. And this is good news, not only for salvation and forgiveness, but that he would bring the kingdom of God. And this is a kingdom which will have no end, the prophet Isaiah says. So while we deserve God's wrath, we deserve God's judgment, justice to be done upon us, he sent his son to be born of a virgin, and he is fully God, and he is fully man. Anybody that teaches differently is teaching a false God, is te or teaching a false Jesus. Christ was fully God and fully man when he was incarnate. He lived the perfect life that we cannot live. He died the death that we deserve. And on the third day, he rose forever defeating death, hell, and the grave. And it is only through repentance of sin and trusting in Jesus and what he has done that we receive salvation and eternal life. That is the gospel. Jesus the only begotten of the Father, the unique and one of a kind who came to earth to die in our place for our sins in order that we might be reconciled to the Father. And it is only by repentance of sin and faith in his work on the cross that we are reconciled. So now, what is public proclamation? In scripture, we have words such as preach or proclaim. Now, in the Greek, this is the, the term keruso. And what this means is to herald or declare publicly in an authoritative manner. Uh, so imagine you've got a king who wishes to address a, a small village outside the walls of the kingdom. He would send out his herald. His herald would go to the village. He would elevate himself as to be able to address everyone in the village, and he would proclaim loudly the message of the king. It would sound something like, Hear ye, hear ye, thus saith the king. That's something that he would do so that people would understand that this message came directly from the king. Now, that's different than personal witnessing. What personal witnessing is, is when we take someone one-on-one, -on -one, kind of like a coffee shop setting, uh, and we, we casually talk to them in conversation, delivering the gospel to them. We're not, we're not yelling or declaring authoritatively, but it's, it's more casual, laid back in a conversation type setting. So now, uh, what did evangelism look like 
in Scripture? Well, we do see public proclamation in Scripture. We see it in Acts 2, where uh, Peter stands up and lifts up his voice and addresses the men. He uses Scripture, quoting the Psalms. He quotes the prophet Joel. Peter tells who Jesus was, what he did, and God's plan for it. Well, what does the crowd say after Peter's proclamation? They say, what must we do to be saved? And Peter replies, repent and be baptized. We also see Paul uh, in Athens. He's reasoning in the synagogues and in the marketplace through the scriptures. We see him in the Areopagus address the idolatry of the pagan philosophers. Um, He's he's addressing their made-up gods as well as the unknown God, and then he tells them about the God that they do not know. He tells them the gospel of Jesus. Um, So we see public proclamation all throughout Acts. Uh, We see it all throughout the gospels. I mean, Jesus, uh, after his baptism in in Matthew chapter 3, goes to be tempted in Matthew chapter 4, and when he comes back, it says, uh, from that time, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So even Jesus begins his ministry by by preaching publicly, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But we also see evangelism done interpersonally. This is that, 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 that personal witness. You see it in John 4 with the woman at the well. Um, <clears throat> you, you see it uh, in the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Go and sin no more. Um, Jesus addresses the sin issue and tells her to go and sin no more. Great men like George Whitfield and Charles Spurgeon were known as exceptional open-air preachers and evangelists. These men would draw crowds of thousands of people before uh, amplification instruments were invented. I mean, they would position themselves in such a way that their voice thundered through the crowd. They preached with such authority. It would draw crowds and it would cut to the heart. They followed the example that was set forth by Christ and the apostles. So now, what does evangelism look like today? Well, in our culture, we've gotten to where we're so afraid to offend someone. We desperately want people to like us, and we want people to like Jesus as well. We don't want them to necessarily submit to him as Lord. We just want them to like him and accept him. So we try to make Jesus seem appealing. We care more about how the non-believer perceives us than we do actually giving them the gospel. The most unloving thing we can ever do is withhold the gospel from a non-believer. But for some reason, in evangelism today, ministries that do evangelism, they only want to focus on the love of Jesus, his grace, and his mercy. Now, these are all good things because they're all true characteristics of Christ. Jesus is loving. Jesus does show grace. Jesus does show mercy, and they're important parts of salvation. But we're forgetting that he also brings wrath and judgment. And if you don't believe me, just read the book of Revelation. He doesn't exactly lighten up. Okay, But no matter what eschatological view you hold to, one fact is true. Revelation is a book written 
post-resurrection and displays God's wrath and judgment. Yet for some reason, ministries that do evangelism today only want to focus on Jesus' love. Now, we must focus on Jesus' love because Jesus is loving. He is gracious. But that's only part of the message. You're withholding the other truths of the gospel. When we withhold specific, uh, necessary truths of the gospel, we're giving an incomplete gospel. Because the gospel is what? It's good news. To give good news without actually explaining what the bad news is doesn't make the good news good news. Because why is good news good news? Only if you understand it in light of the bad news. So we have to give the full story of why Jesus came, why Jesus had to die in our place. So now let's look at to what it looks like today. Uh, give a, a practical example of what it looks like. Now, when I first started getting into evangelism, this was a method that I used. So I want you to imagine this with me. Okay, you get together with a group of friends and you say to one another, let's go evangelize and spread the gospel. Everyone is in agreement. Everyone says, okay, let's go. You make your way to the local park, but not before uh, you take a few minutes to pray. You want to see if you get a word from the Lord. This is what we call a treasure hunt. Um, someone may get a picture or a name or activity. Uh, you, you get the idea. Uh, it could be any number of things that God highlights to you. So you and your group, you arrive at the park and you begin to walk around. You're looking for anyone or anything that could resemble the word or the picture that God gave you. You're praying that God will highlight someone for you to talk to. After 30 minutes to an hour, uh, no one sees anyone that matches the quote-unquote word that they received. Next, you decide to simply just go and talk to people. And you say something along the lines of, we're out showing the love of God, can we pray for you? If they say yes, you pray for them and then you end with, Jesus loves you. Then you make your way on to the next one. Uh, if you see someone that may be sick or injured, you might be prompted to go pray for healing. Uh, oftentimes, this conversation looks like this. I noticed you were on crutches. We believe God wants to heal you from that. Can we pray for you? After you pray, which may be a couple of times, you tell them Jesus loves them and have a good day. Afterwards, each person goes home uh, feeling better about themselves because they did what they call evangelism. Now, what's the problem with this picture? The problem is not that you want to show the love of Christ. That's a good thing. The problem is not that you waited until you talked to someone. Uh, I understand that. That can be intimidating. However, that is a pride issue that we must get over. The problem is not that you saw someone and you wanted to pray for healing. Uh, that takes boldness. I mean, in Matthew 9... Uh, Jesus healed a paralytic based on the faith of his friends. Remember, they, they went up, they, they tore off uh, part of the roof, and they lowered their friend down um, because they knew Jesus could heal him. Uh, the problem is not that you simply wanted to pray for someone. 
Um, oftentimes that is a very good way to get the conversation started. Um, you can find out if they're a believer, if they're not. You can just let the conversation go from there. Uh, that's a very good way to even start evangelism is to go up to someone and say, can I pray for you? None of these acts are the actual problem. The problem is in doing all these good things, you did not once give anyone the gospel. So your evangelism is actually missing evangelism. Nowhere did you talk about man's sinful condition before holy God. Nowhere did you talk about Jesus' atoning for sin on the cross. Nowhere did you mention the need for repentance of sin. Nowhere did you talk about needing to trust in Christ as Savior and Lord in order for us to be reconciled to God. In this example, there was absolutely no evangelism done. So now, how should we be evangelizing today? In the American church, there is a lie that's being passed around, and it's a lie I will admit that I bought into for a while. And this lie goes as follows. Preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. Now, why is this a lie? First of all, because the very word preach, as we've already discussed, means to herald or declare publicly with authority. You cannot preach without using words. Therefore, you must open your mouth and allow words to flow from it. There's no other way to preach. But that does not take away from that we must be living our lives in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. But no one will ever be saved just because they see us living our lives in a good way. They can actually die going to hell thinking that we're a good person. We must open our mouths and proclaim the gospel. Why? Because the gospel, again, is the power of God unto salvation. How will they hear unless someone tells them? In preaching and in evangelism, it is always necessary to use words. Now, however you choose to do it, whether it be public proclamation or uh, personal witnessing, we need to be intentional in giving the gospel to a lost and dying world. However, there is a warning. Most of your opposition is not going to come from non-believers. Now, you will get some, but most of it's not going to come from non-believers. It's going to come from those who claim to be Christians. These are people that will say they go to church every Sunday. They read their Bible. They're, they're fully in love with Jesus. Yet as soon as you step up to proclaim the truths of the gospel, as soon as you read passages of scripture, they're going to reject your message. They will oppose you for talking about sin, talking about the necessity of repentance, because you might offend someone. I'm going to tell you the truth. I would much rather offend man than offend God. God commands us to preach his gospel. He commands us to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sin. 
And oftentimes, the ones who are going to oppose you are ones who don't do evangelism at all. They're the ones who don't even open their mouth to their neighbor to say, this is what Jesus did for you. Paul charges Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. That's saying be ready all the time. There should never be a time when you're not ready to preach the word. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So we need to go forward preaching the gospel as God has instructed us through his word. The most loving thing that we can ever do for someone is to give them the gospel. That's showing love to our neighbor. If we do not, if we hold back any part of the gospel, we do not love our neighbor. So let us be bold. Let us go out and let us not be afraid to proclaim the truths of the gospel in its entirety. That's all we have for this episode. Uh, If you have any questions regarding evangelism, feel free to send us an email. Uh, We will get back to you. I hope that this message blesses you and encourages you to get up, get out, open your mouth, and share the gospel. Until next time, I'm A.G. Martin. This is Matter of Theology. We'll catch you on the next one.